Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 247 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We promised this to you uh, a couple weeks uh, a couple. We promised this to you a couple days ago. We are going to be uh, beginning three days of looking at the three Dukies in the NBA draft, what their prospects look like, uh, you know, who might draft them, what they need to work on, what they're really good at, all that kind of stuff. Before we get to all that, let me introduce my partners in crime. I, of course, am Jason Evans coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. I am joined, as always, by Donald and Sam. Donald, you in Washington, D.C., right? Absolutely. I am here in Washington, D.C., ready to talk about our NBA players. I love it. I love it. And Sam, how's Boston today? Boston is lovely. I can't believe that it's the, – the schedule is all wrong now because everything's happening at, at the wrong time this season. So I'm like, oh, the finals just ended and, and it's it's the draft time, right? Yes. Okay. What month is it? Like what, what are we doing? But sure. Let's, uh, let's, let's get into Duke's NBA prospects this year. I love it. I love it. And, and like, like I said, we're going to give you kind of a unique perspective on the Dukies in the draft. We could have spoken to a draft analyst kind of person, uh, a journalist with quote unquote sources, you know, feeding info to him. but we went a very different route. I happen to be friends with a guy who makes his living off of training NBA players, helping them work on their game and improve and that kind of stuff. Um, and he also happens to work for the NBA in youth development, the young player development. Uh, in case you can't tell, that would be the absolutely ideal person to talk about <laughs> guys developing and working for the NBA draft. When you hear the players that he's worked with, you will recognize that this is someone who knows what it takes to succeed in the league. His name is Jeremiah Boswell. He is one of the founding partners of the Skill Factory, which is a basketball training academy in Atlanta, Georgia. NBA players come from all over the country to work with him. I, I promise you that. I've, I've been to his gym, and sometimes I'll just wander in to say hi, and uh, I'll, I'll be like, wait a second, that's – I can't tell you the names of all of them. You know, There are certain players that don't allow you to talk about that. I mean, like, wait a second, that's blankety-blank, who I absolutely recognize, <laughs> who's just working on his game over here with Jeremiah as I'm watching. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so this is a guy who knows what NBA teams see when they look at a college player. We spoke to Jeremiah about all three Duke guys, Vernon Carey, Trey Jones, and Cassius Stanley. And like I said, over the next three days, we're going to bring you each of those conversations. Let's start with the chat that I had with him about Vernon Carey's pro prospects. So here's Jeremiah Boswell talking to us about Vernon Carey. So, Jeremiah, thanks a lot for joining us here on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We really appreciate you lending your expertise. Um, and before we get into talking about the, the Duke players in the draft, I, I want to I let – I know that you are uh, an expert at basketball, but I, I want to let the audience out there know who you are. Can you give me just a real quick background on your, your playing career and, and then what you're doing right now today? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically a, a basketball junkie. And, and thank you guys for having me on, uh, first of all. But um, yeah, basketball guy grew up in Jasper, Georgia, um, small town, but ended up being an all-state player at Pickens County High School. Uh, went on and played in the Ivy League, uh, Columbia University. Uh, Would have been nice to, to have been at Duke, uh, but was at Columbia nonetheless. Um, so played four years there, had a good good time. Um, started actually interning for the NBA office while I was at Columbia. Um, and then after graduating, I worked there for a year at the NBA office, left to go play overseas and played overseas for eight years, um, kind of during my off seasons and, and even during my time 
um, overseas. I was writing reports for Commissioner Stern and some fun stuff about, you know, what the, the international basketball world was like. So um, always stay connected to the NBA. Um, and then when I came back, I retired um, from overseas at 30 and I started uh, partnering with with a, a friend of mine on the skill factory in which I started training a lot of NBA players and pro players. So I was doing a lot of training and then kind of got back involved with the NBA as a consultant. So um, kind of done a little bit of everything in the game, um, obviously uh, played for a while, um, but really enjoy kind of teaching and giving back to. And and can you tell us some of the, I know that you have trained some NBA players, some names that we'd probably be very familiar with. I know you're training some guys in the current draft. Some, some guys are going to go pretty high in the draft, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, I've had a, a really fortunate run uh, just because of some of the NBA connections I had uh, very early on. James Harden came in. Um, and so that was just kind of a, a spark plug for, for everything. Um, so anytime he passes through Atlanta now, we'll, we'll get in the gym. And that, that was great. Um, but yes, just most recently, uh, Denny Advia, um, I may have said his last name a little wrong, but who, who should be a, a top five, seven pick uh, this year. Um, and Teo Maladon have, have both been in recently. Um, he should be a top 25-ish, um, you know, depending on, on where it all falls. Um, from France, but um, worked with several Duke guys. I had Wendell Carter Jr. from the time he was probably 15 all the way through. Um, even, uh, you know, Dante Jones way back. Um, just spent some time maybe two weeks ago with Rodney Hood coming back off of, of his injury. Um, so several guys even even spent some time with uh, Jamin Brakefield, who's who's incoming. So, um, you know, love the Duke guys, love the culture, love being able to get there and spend some time. Um, there as well so great staff good people always good kids well i will say uh jeremiah that the fact that you went to columbia you said you wish maybe you could have ended at duke but you paved the way for patrick to pay to end up at duke so we thank you for that <laughs> yeah you're welcome my my uh grandmother went to duke and so i grew up going to the camps and uh, just being a big duke fan and so um wasn't quite talented enough i guess to get coach k's uh, attention but uh, nonetheless, like you said, I paved the way, maybe. Hey, and by the way, most importantly, Jeremiah coached one of my sons at basketball many, many years ago. I think he was in eighth grade or something like that. Yeah, but... yeah. he was our shooter. Come uh, bench and knock him down. Thank you. You're very kind. Uh, he, he got that from his mother, not his father, I, I assure you. <laughs> Uh, in any event, all right, so let's turn to the reason we brought you on here. Uh, and, and I want to talk, let's talk about Vernon Carey. Um, because to me, it, it was a little surprising that I'm looking at these mock drafts and it looks like, yeah, you know, maybe late first round, but some people are even saying second round for Vernon Carey. We're talking about the guy who was pretty much the consensus freshman of the year in college basketball, uh, you know, borderline All-American, maybe second team, third team All-American. Um, what What is it that you see when you look at Vernon Carey's game that maybe worked in college, but maybe won't work in the NBA? I mean, wh why, why is he not, why is this guy not in the lottery conversation? Yeah, you know, the game is so different in college. And I think that's why you see some people who are just like avid college fans or like, I don't, I don't like the NBA or, or vice versa. Like I really appreciate the pro game, but I'm not as into college. They're just really two different styles. There's different rule sets, different spacing, you know, it all impacts the way the game is played. And I think 
Vernon, like uh, you look at him on both sides of the floor and it's kind of question marks at the NBA level, right? At Duke, you're able to see his size, his strength, his footwork, his ability to, you know, to use um, both hands in, in the lane. So you, you get to see that. Whereas at the NBA level, you look at him offensively and the NBA is about trends, right? And right now it's, it's facing the floor and small ball. And so, you know, defensively, can he defend a, a pick and roll without it being drop coverage, which means he's just sitting and waiting, which puts the defense, you know, at a little disadvantage. So who can he defend? How can he defend? Can he defend a pick and roll? And then offensively on the flip side, can he stretch the floor? And I think he's shown some signs of, of being able to shoot the ball a little bit, but still, you know, at the NBA line, you know, we're stepping back even further and just, I think there's a lot of question marks there. So his game may not translate perfectly to, to the NBA, but I think, you know, somebody will give him a chance. What, what, what do you think are his strengths? I mean, you discussed his weaknesses. You know, if you're an NBA team, every draft pick is valuable. Someone, as you say, is going to use a draft pick on him. What is it that they think they're getting for that? Well, I, I think they, it, it's a solid big, right? Like he, He's solid. He's going to rebound. He's going to use some strength and finish around the basket. You might be able to put him in situations where, uh, you know, teams are switching. Right. And so if they put a small guard on him in a switch situation, he's going to be able to finish and score where a lot of guys are trying to stretch the floor and you miss a couple of shots and then you've lost your value. So he, he can score in the paint. Right. There's there's no question there. Um, good footwork and, and strong. So um, and he's a good player. He's 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 kind of a known name for a while now, right? Like he was known in high school, he's known in Duke. So you, I think scouts have a, a pretty good pulse on him, um, but there's just some question marks, like will he extend his range? You, you look at maybe like a an Al Horford guy, right? Like every year of his career, you could see his game growing and developing. And now he, he's a pick and pop five, right? And just shooting a bunch of threes. And I think, you know, not to say that's a good comparison for Vernon, but you're going to want to see that potential for him to, to develop that way. Are, are you aware of, is there anything about his measurables, perhaps, you know, length of arms and, and length of body? Uh, you know, you talked a little about his size, both as a plus in terms of, you know, scoring the paint, but as a, as a minus, maybe in terms of having the quickness. Is there anything about his physique that you think, like if you were training him, what would you, what would you want to work on? I would, I mean, I've never seen him in person. I think particularly for this draft, it's going to be a disadvantage for a lot of teams because they're used to being able to bring a guy in, see him in person, let him compete, do some stuff that they like and really evaluate. And they don't get that opportunity. I would like to see how efficiently he moves. So you look at a guy like Wendell Carter, uh, you know, he may not be the quickest of feet, but he moves really efficiently. So that means he covers a lot of ground off every stride. He's not wasting steps. And that allows him to kind of make up for some of those lateral quickness questions. And I don't know, you know, how, how efficiently Vernon uh, moves. So I think that's a question. Um, you know, his, his rate, reach, his wingspan doesn't jump off the charts. His, you know, his um, ability to, you know, contest the rim and, and elevate it. That doesn't jump off the charts, really. Um, so I don't know that his measurables really are gonna, would, would help him in a meaningful way. Okay, let me put you on the spot. You're an NBA GM. Let's say you're drafting 25th. Is, is he someone pretty high up on your on your chart, or do you think you're probably going elsewhere? Obviously, you need to know who else is around. but Yeah, 
I'm sort of I'm giving you like an over like an over under kind of thing. <laughs> I would so it depends on on the organization. Like there, it really does. There's so many teams. Like uh, was talking to somebody recently, and, and they were talking about how Boston just they don't want any youth right now. Like they don't want to bring in young guys, so they may be trying to move draft picks and get get rid of them. Um, certain teams aren't used to having a traditional big. And so he wouldn't even make sense for them to evaluate. Right. Um, and so the style of play and, and, and what they're looking for is always so all over the place. If it's me, I would consider him. I wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, think of, of that him as a, as a late first round pick because that's guaranteeing money on him. Um, depending on my situation and who I have in free agency and all, I might say, you know what, if I've got pick 32 and I have pick 19, I'm going to wait and see if he's there at 32 um, because I don't, you know, I have to guarantee him anything. We can use some time in the G league or whatever. Um, so it, again, the, each team is so different, so unique that it's hard, hard to, to know what they're, they're thinking. I would look at him definitely um, in that 25 range, but you know, don't want to speak for anybody else that's in 25 at 25. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, great. Thanks a lot uh, for the conversation about Vernon. Absolutely. Guys, let's let's break down a little bit of what he had to say about Vernon. Um, it, it was. It was interesting to me. I feel I feel like Jeremiah was pretty reluctant to give Vernon a first round draft uh, contract to give him a guaranteed. You know, he talked about if you're a first rounder, you get a guaranteed contract um, that, that generally lasts for three or four years, depending on how how well you're playing and the such like that. And and he was pretty reluctant to talk about giving Vernon a, a guaranteed contract. He thinks that he'll probably have a nice long career, make good money. But he thinks Jerem, uh, that uh, Vernon's probably going to do that overseas in Europe or Asia. At least that's how it feels. Donald, what, what was your takeaway from the comments about Vernon Carey? Yeah, so, and I think you're going to hear this theme amongst all of our players. The fact that Vernon Carey in, on some boards is listed as high as like a late lottery pick and as low as mid-second round means that I, I just don't know what to think of how NBA scouts are thinking about him. I, I will say this from my perspective and really Jeremiah – highlight a lot of this his game at the college level doesn't necessarily translate to today's NBA and the fact that he is a 610 center so he's undersized you know he he's not the fastest guy uh, going up and down the court and, and really what concerns me it, it because it doesn't describe him at all from what we saw at Duke the under the uninspired kind of label that was placed on him entering college has kind of followed him even though he produced some of the most efficient double doubles that I've seen by anybody in a Duke uniform last season. He, he was really dominant at, at certain points. I think what he's going to need to improve on, as Jeremiah said, his jumper, uh, that is going to make him more of a, of an attractive piece to people. Coach K in his uh, com press conference last week said that Vernon Carey had slimmed down a little bit. So that's a good sign because he's going to be, need to be more nimble in the court. He's not going to be back to the, basket type of guy he's going to be a guy that teams are going to ask to move out to the wing at least have develop a mid-range jumper of some sort so that they can stretch defenses because that's the NBA today and I think that is where people there's some teams that probably say yes he has that upside that that can develop 
and Jeremiah painted the picture that there are some teams that are that are likely going to say, no, that upside is not where we think it is. And, you know, that will precipitate a, a fall in the draft for Vernon Carey. So it's interesting to see what happens with him. I think he's the most intriguing. He's one of the most intriguing prospects of this entire draft, because like I said, he could, we could be hearing his name very early in the night, or we could be hearing his name very late in the night. And, and I'm not sh- quite sure which at this point. I think the big challenge for Carey is that, as Jeremiah mentioned, there are only so many teams that are even interested in employing somebody of Vernon's skill set. So where every team needs a a scoring point guard and every team needs, you know, a whole bunch of wing players that that can play defense and make threes. Teams don't need not as many teams need a center who, you know, has has stepped out to, to take a couple threes in college, but but isn't totally comfortable with it yet. So until Vernon Carey demonstrates that he is able to play, you know, 2020 type NBA basketball, there are only so many teams that can take him. And that's where that that huge range of possibilities comes out for him. Yeah. And and I think the, the last thing I'll say about Vernon is when you look at the the players who are really good at center in the NBA. And I, I think I think Vernon he doesn't have the he doesn't have the, the foot speed. He doesn't have the the variety of his game to to play power forward. He's got to be a center in the NBA. When you look at the good centers in the NBA, uh, with the exception of of Nikola Jokic, who who is truly unique, and I don't think anyone would say that Vernon Vernon Carey's skill set is similar to his. All the other ones who are really good players are elite rim protectors. Um, they are guys who are very very bouncy and. Um, and and in addition to doing other good stuff, <laughs> in addition to hitting threes and stuff like that, these are guys who protect the rim. And and I think that's a place where Vernon Carey is, uh, it, it, you know, he, he's all right. He's not bad at it, but he's not going to be an elite NBA rim protector by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, you know, if I'm picking late in the first round, early in the second round, you know, at that point, you're probably just looking at a guy. Oh, you know, is he gonna? He's gonna make my roster. Is he gonna be an impact player at all on my roster? You know, not sure. Um, I think Vernon kind of fits the bill there. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll guys, I'll ask you. But before we wrap this up, you know, I I, I sort of gave Jeremiah the over under of the 25th pick, and and Jeremiah said, oh, if I'm picking 25, and I also had a pick like at 32 or 33, I'd probably wait and see if he's there at 32 or 33. Uh, with the 25th pick, and and again, granted, you don't know who else is available. Um, but but is Vernon Carey a, a guy that you think you're probably taking in there, or or are you waiting on him? Don, Donald, I'll go to you first. If I have the 25th pick, you know, chances are that means I'm a pretty good team. I advanced fairly far in the playoffs. And if I'm in need of a center, uh, I definitely think that he's someone that I can bring on. Because again, I think some of these things – those labels they'll find very quickly are just kind of misguided about him. Uh, the fact that he appears uninspired, if he's going to knock down, you know, double doubles and he's, and he can turn into kind of a, a Montrez Harrell type of player in the NBA, then I definitely want that on my team. Uh, so I would take him at 25th, uh, assuming that, you know, again, I'm a decent team. That's kind of one or two pieces away uh, from uh, really competing for an NBA championship. And also, 
having a need uh, in the front court to try and get some rebounding. Uh, he's pulling down, you know, he's pulling down 10, you know, 10 and 10. So I would like to have that kind of guy on my team. I would draft Vernon at 25th if that was the case. Sam, your turn. 25th pick. Vernon carries on the board. You taking him? I understand why he could fall lower than that because of the the limitations to his game and, and how he, he's not a great fit in the modern NBA. But I think a lot of the intangibles that Jeremiah talked about eventually become slightly more important than the specific skill set. And, you know, at, at the 25th pick, you're not drafting a future franchise player. You're drafting a guy who needs to fit in. And Vernon Carey seems like a guy that fits in. So I I still feel confident that he's a first-round pick, but I understand why he could slip into the second. I, I love what you say there about, you know, sort of adapting um, and fitting in. Because one of the things that we heard about Vernon coming to Duke was that he'd been kind of more of a perimeter player, even though he's 6'10". He'd been kind of more of a perimeter player in high school on his AAU team and on his high school team. And he came to Duke and they asked him to, to sit in the post and really work on his post moves. And, and he got to be really, really good at that um, as a result of all that stuff. But that says to me that this is a guy who can adapt to what you need him to do. Uh, I've, I've seen some pictures. There, there's some pictures out there on the internet, on Instagram and things like that of of how he has lost a lot of weight and sculpted his body during this during these crazy COVID times. So it's a apparent to me that Vernon Carey has been talking to people like Jeremiah Boswell about what he needs to work on and, and that he's, he's, he's working on getting to be quicker and getting to be more nimble and, and developing, you know, some of that perimeter game. And, and so I'm saying if I got the 25th pick, if you're talking to me about a guy who knows how to adapt to what my team needs and a guy who's willing to really put in a lot of work in the weight room um, and a guy who was so successful when he adapted at Duke, I think 25th pick, I'd, I'd, I'd take that. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Vernon at number 25 if he's there on the board. So, so that's going to wrap it up for us here on episode 247 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Like I said, this is the first of three episodes on the three Dukies in the NBA. Tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, tomorrow <laughs> we will have an episode on Cassius Stanley and the day after that, an episode on Trey Jones. Um, until then... I am Jason Evans. Donald Wine and Sam Klein joined me. We will be back in your inbox very, very soon with more Dukies and the NBA Draft. Until then, here's the Duke fan to take us home.